We love supporting and promoting the creators of musical theater throughout the world. And we would love to have your support as well. Go to musicaltheaterradio.com and click on the Become a Patron button because a supportive community is a strong community. Welcome back to another episode of Be Our Guest here on Musical Theater Radio. I am your host, as always, Jean-Paul Yovanoff. Listeners, today we are going to be talking to Hilary Clark Moore about her show, The Fisher Girl. So without further ado, let's discover a musical together and welcome Hilary to the show. Hello, Hilary. Hi, thank you for having me and talking to me this morning. Oh, no problem. I apologize now. They're doing some work outside my window. So if you hear some bangings or sheet metal or something, that's what's going on. So I just want everyone to know that if they can hear it. If they don't, ignore what I said. So before we get talking about your show, uh, I always get to like to know our, our guest a little bit better. So who is Hillary in 30 seconds? What is the 30 second bio of Hillary? And I could do it in less. I could just say, I'm a musician, period. And then you'll say, well, what's the definition of a musician? Um, I'm, I am I love music. Um, I live, breathe, live it, just music. But I think I am a musician who is curious about every single aspect of music. And therefore, my, quote, career has taken a lot of different jumps. And in the fact that I gone into the performance, I've gone into the academia of teaching music theory and having a PhD in music um, theory. I have said, hey, you know, I've been in the orchestra, why don't I try being a conductor and took lessons for conducting for 20 years and have loved the conducting. Um, actually, it's I'm just in pursuit of the proper mouthpiece of how to get my musical expression out. And my last um, you know, before I end my life on this world is to say, hey, I've done most everything in music, and but I haven't really composed. And it's uh, fulfilling a promise I did to a very young Hillary saying, you know, before I finish my life here, I'm going to compose and I have something to say. So that's who I am. Very nice. Very nice. Were you always into theater or music growing up? Or is that something you discovered a little bit later? Um, my mother will brag and say that I learned how to read music before words. Um, and I will come back and say, well, I wasn't a great reader. Um, yes, I've always done music. I was very fortunate um, in my family to have been brought up with musical theater as well as all classical music. Um, my family did not expose me to any popular music. So I'm a little bit deficient in those areas. <clears throat> nice. So... Were you ever, I'm always curious, were you ever thinking about going into a different career outside of music? Sometimes people have other pursuits. So when you were in school, was there ever something that you went, you know, maybe I'd like to go into that? Well, my father's business was a veterinary medicine and um, everyone in my family went into medicine or veterinary medicine. And I thought, well, wouldn't that be nice? Um, but then I realized I really didn't want to study bones and all the anatomy and all the work that would have to be done with it. Um, so there is something about uh, when I talk to young people about um, careers in music, I will say, is there anything else that you can think of doing? And usually the answer is no, I'm passionate about music. And, and that I must actually explain that that's, I can't think of doing anything else. I will not ever retire. Um, and, you know, 
my life is completely enriched by having music and doing it. It's it's funny. I know my 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 lady friend. She she's a teacher. She's so looking forward to retirement, and I'm like, I'm never retiring. People in yeah. our business never. We do this till the day we die. Right. Yeah. <laughs> So let's talk about your your musical, uh, The Fisher Girl. So tell us a little bit about the synopsis and the plot of the show. Well, the synopsis um, is set back 100 years ago in the early 1900s. And, and unfortunately, we really haven't learned anything in the last 100 years. Um, and we still are making the same mistakes. And it's a story. It's obviously going to have a strong woman in it. There's a lot of twists and turns. Um, I will give you my 30-second elevator speech, which is Danny Trescott, the daughter of a Maine fisherman, faces significant trials as she steers through dangerous straits to find her true course in life. Although Danny's story takes place in the early 1900s, she is a modern era, every woman facing the same issues most women, if not all people, encounter today, hopefully in not the same ways. As she navigates the treacheries of gender bias, class distinction, greed, mental illness, and violence, her challenges in finding her path in life are universal and ageless. She finds truth, love, and family by trusting her heart and choosing to look past discrimination and slander. That's Very nice. Very nice. I so cannot take credit for it because <laughs> my trio team members of Zoe Savali uh, wrote that. So, um, I like to use it a lot. Very cool. So what was the impetus for, for creating this show? What was that that moment that doing, you know what, I got to write this. I think there's a lot of Hillaryisms in them. And it's also just me. It's two facets that, that work together. One, I was giving myself compositional lessons and taking some of the great uh, uh, music, uh, composers and saying, what would I do in that style? And the other thing was just watching life. Um, I talk about in, in development of, you know, there's three different kinds of inspiration that inspired me to do this. Um, one was history. Uh, my husband's family has a lot of history and a lot of the historical anecdotes that come from this, you know, casting Maine and, and serving in the Civil War and, and having children live in Washington, DC and stuff like that happened. So there's a historical family part of it. Um, there is also, uh, I love water. Um, there are a lot of water imaging. And so, you know, there's a line in one of the songs and it says, you know, you know, Danny, you know, is most happy when she's on the water and I get teased. Well, you should just write Hillary kind of thing on that. Um, and then there's just something to say that I have something to say. Um, We've just dealt with COVID and we're still having masks. And, you know, one of my favorite lines is, you know, see past the masks we wear. And it's not about a COVID statement. It's, it's oh, can we truly find or know who we are? And this, it doesn't matter what ethnicity you are or what religion or what gender and all those other things is we really don't see past who we, who we think we are. And, you know, there's a really great, in the beginning, um, there's a bunch of uh, lumberjacks and fishermen and they're coming together. They're very, very grateful for surviving another day of work. They're, they're very grateful for the beauty and what they have. And yet they have rusticators or, or um, tourists who are just starting to come into Maine. And they're like, please don't judge us. See past the mask. 
see past the weather faces that we have to see who we truly are. And I think, you know, as human beings, we're constantly saying this. Um, and there's another song called Simple Daisy where um, a young, protected young girl in her teenage years says, please see me past the simple, innocent girl that I am. Don't see me as just a simple daisy, but has a vibrant, colorful garden with all the different flowers that you could have in it. And I think that speaks to many people. Nice. So I had something to say. This is my <laughs> mouthpiece. Is, is it based on a, a true story of any kind? Is it completely a fictional or is it maybe uh, fictional, but inspired by something? There are uh, historical points that I weave into it, but the story is new or, but you really can't say there's new. I mean, you know, you got Disney, how many young ladies all of a sudden are all by themselves. They've been orphaned by their fathers. Um, how many Dickens story is that there's a mystery that you consider that you're, you know, maybe of one class and you find out later in life that your grandmother was actually really prestigious. Um, so yes, I can't say, are all the ideas in it original? No, I mean, many of these ideas are continually to be used over and over and in literature. Um, but, you know, I weave in as much as I can of his story of the Spanish-American War. Uh, you can talk about that. How did it start? Well, obviously some journalism issues happened on that. And, you know, when I was writing this, fake news was a really, you know, whether you use yellow journalism or anything else. Um, you know, you can talk about, I weave in a story about our little heroine Danny is on a, a bicycle. Well, you know, the bicycle did so much for women's movement. It was the first way of transportation that you could go without being escorted by a man. And so, you know, there, there's these uh, little stories. There's actually a true story in Virginia of a slave who is, becomes educated and befriends um, uh, her mistress. And together they um, do some spying for the North. Well, it actually happens in Virginia, but I used uh, with Gwen Gunn's um, inspiration, who uh, was one of our creative teams, we put that type of a story down in New Orleans. And, you know, you know, we use, so is, you know, so there's historical points in it. And I usually try to, I brought them in as much as I could, you know, change, change is difficult. Manners for change is difficult. And in the early 1900s, you're going from your cod fishing and the ways of doing it. And you have all of a sudden you have technology bringing different ways of doing it. And that small fisherman's losing his job. And these rusticators like lobsters, which is poor man's fare, you know? So um, it was just, it's an original story using tidbits of history and tidbits of stories that you've had for hundreds of years. Tell us a little bit about the production history. When when did you first uh, start writing this? Um, so in the fall of 2014, I moved from the state of New York in the town of Chester, New York, to move to Chester, Connecticut, which I get joked about. Um, I became an empty nester. I had a birthday that had a zero in it. Um, and I was starting up in a new state, even though it's my home state, to establish myself as a musician. 
and we had a lot of snow and I was isolated. So as I'm trying to establish myself, I was like, well, you promised yourself as a little girl that you were going to compose. Huh, when I had time, huh, there's two feet of snow, there's a foot of snow out there, it's time to get going. And I started um, with, you know, different parts of the story. And again, it was part of those compositional lessons for myself. And at the time, I was still going back to New York um, to work with Ron DeFazy, who is the uh, music director of Hudson Opera Theater. And he was is my mentor, or was my, where we are in a relationship now, um, for 20 years. And I would say at the end of my conducting lesson, which would go on for hours, hey, can you listen to this? And I, he goes, and here's a little song. And he would say, well, what do you want to do? And the next lesson after me was um, by a mezzo-soprano um, named Zoe Savali, who was an English teacher. And she'd go, hey, Hillary, what you doing in there? And eventually the two of them, Zoe and Ron, were like, oh, she's onto something. And I was keeping it very secret. What was my great big vision? Because, you know, to say your first major work is a two and a quarter hour musical theater or a piece of work, people go, yeah, right. So I kept the, my little idea of the vision and I did song after song. And, um, and eventually I said, would you like to be part of a cre creative team? And again, we've been friends for 20, 30, 20, 25 years. Um, and so it was a really nice fit um, each of them bringing um, different um, talents. And a couple of years ago, I said, hmm, we need somebody to write the dialogue. And so I, through a lot of introductions, I met Gwen Gunn, who was a feminist playwright. She was bringing in um, feminist plays in, to Connecticut in the 1970s and might have had a few challenges there. And um, she's an international poet. And uh, she had a lot of wisdom um, and she just uh, really pushed me out of my comfort zone and said, you know, you know, strong woman, let's go a little further, Hillary, with this. And so it's been a very nice several years of putting this together. And um, obviously we got sidetracked um, by COVID. But on the other hand, I remember a phone call saying, you know, Ron and I were conducting lots of different organizations so he was singing and everything shut down. And I remember a phone call I had with him. He was driving and I was driving. I said, you know, I, I need something. I, I'm, I am absolutely drowning without having something to do. And I said, let's use Fisher Girl as a, you know, a life buoy. Again, another water image. Let's do this. Let's really work on this. And so by the March of last year, I brought all the singers here and I brought, created a, a local course, did a great job and, and the creative team. And we had a four day workshop where we worked on it Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and by Sunday afternoon, we put in a small performance uh, with piano um, with a small audience. And after that, um, in June of 2022, uh, the Hudson Opera uh, Theater, um, company um, produced an orchestra version of it. So we were able to uh, feature Ron's um, great orchestration. And again, that was a week of putting it together and having two performances. And after the performance, I got so many positive reviews. 
But one of the ones was, it's a little long, Hillary. Or, well, you know it's a little long, Hillary. I'm like, yeah, okay. So um, it was a little long. And so I was able to cut um, in the months of July, uh, take the opportunity to make some streamlining. Let's put streamlining, I don't, it's better word than cutting. Um, and to streamline it and also strengthen some of the stories. And so that was done and we had to discuss and keep some of the storylines on this. Um, and it really strengthened it. And so now it's in a very much more manageable um, size. Um, we still have 25 original songs in it. And um, then I was waiting for all of the technological work to be done on the recording. And you know now where you have to do the legal stuff of copywriting it and all of those things. And then just because things are opening up, we now have some distractions of our other day jobs. And so now we are now pursuing and um, different production companies. And I've got some people who are interested do not have that confirmation of one person or one production company. So that's where I am. Congratulations on, on creating the show in the first place and then getting it on its feet. That it makes such a difference. I just directed a, a new musical a couple of months ago and the opportunity for the creators to see it outside of their head and on a stage with performance makes such a difference. Um, what did you discover seeing it outside of your head? Was there something that you went, oh, that works or, oh, that didn't work. Now I know why. Was there moments like that for you? Well, you know, some things were a surprise um, beforehand. Um, this is, there's a very uh, song that's now going to become, become an entree. It originally was a called The Good Dream, not a very original name. But, um, um, and there had been a, different versions of it. And, you know, again, as you're trying to crunch to get everything together, um, an older version was used of it. And, and I had done super titles. So because it wasn't acted out with, you know, with, uh, with different costumes and everything else, I did, you know, super titles and they had pictures of what I would vision. And so I'm doing this good dream and I'm like, here's the, you know, cause and again, dreams are gonna be, you have to do something like that anyway. Uh, so you understand, the audience knows what you're dreaming about. And all of a sudden there was an extra 30 seconds of music and I went, I don't have any super titles for this because, but it's so right to have those extra 30 seconds. And that that piece now, we, we no, no longer have a dream sequence. It's going to become an entree. And of course, uh, between the, you know, ch changing the scenes, and of course, you're going to need those extra 30 seconds. Um, I guess I was actually surprised by the responses was I had a, a critic come in and they were like, that was so melodious or, you know, had so many beautiful melodies and harmonies. And I was like, well, what were you expecting? I mean, I was just like, this is not a surprise to me. Um, the, the style has been explained to me or described as neo-romantic, but, you know, I've got all this classical training. I've got this PhD in music theory. So it has a lot of contrapuntal music and aligns versus lions. And I, I know how to use and break, uh, you know, voice leading rules to my advantage. And so I guess I was surprised that people were thinking that what beautiful melodies. And again, 
I mentioned early on, I don't have much of a pop or rock or jazz experience. So, you know, I think this work is a little bit different than maybe different avenues and, and is that it's not just harmonies with the melody on top, but it's really interwoven. And the orchestration is, you know, it's just 12 classical uh, orchestra instruments. I'm gonna use a little bit of harpsichord and a honky tonk piano that we can talk about later. Um, but that, uh, I was, yeah, I was surprised that people were surprised that they had beautiful melodies. And I know that that's a funny thing. It, it's a very compliment, but I was like, of course. Um, kind of thing. Um, I also liked um, some of the singers really came up and she's and said, you know, every if you look at the whole piece, different songs express different issues that we are facing in our today's life. But it's not in your face. It's not like this one is about this and we're going to talk about it. It's it's just used. Um, one of the examples. Um, is that how do you thank somebody for saving your life? And how do you thank somebody who is very different from you, class-wise, where you live kind of work? And it's a song called The Best Blueberry Pie in the Nation because we're gonna bring, you know, the Maine's um, have a very, a uh, good opinion of their best blueberries, the little blueberries. But our little heroine says, look, we have this fisherman, a very um, modest means, who is really good person, character. And then we have uh, the first secretary of commerce in the early 1900s, um, fictional, um, but it did, that position was open. And he needs to think, and they both have pride but there's, you know, some great lines of, well, there's three men as well as the um, hero of the story. Here's three men, they're all Americans, and yet they can't talk to each other. And the heroine's saying, well, maybe blueberry pie will help. Would you like another piece of pie? Um, but it is very true that there's so much uh, variety in our country. And here is a simple statement saying, here's, you know, three people, they want to express their thanks, gratitude, and they're stuck. So, um, yeah. Nice. So as a first time, you know, composer creating something like this, was it something that flowed out easily for you? Um, or was, you know, did you find it um, like a locomotive it took time to get going, but once you got your steam and you also wrote the lyrics too, was that something yeah. new for you? I don't like words. Um, I will be frankly, I do not like words. Um, I had a lot of help with my words. I knew how to get it 75 or 80% there. And then um, Ron and Zoe particularly helped me with the lyrics. And again, Gwen wrote the dialogue. So I, um, so how did I get by it is, I was asked this question, how do you feel? And I said, and I said sometimes I'm a fraud. Sometimes I feel like, wow, I really have this and I, I got this and I have something and this sounds beautiful. And then there's that blank piece of paper. Um, I am so much happier when I have a rough draft on it. And then you can see how happy I am. I mean, obviously there's times when I will start be playing the piano and all of a sudden and I'll start playing a 76 trombones and, you know, my husband will come around and go, you know, you're not going to use that. I'm like, yeah, I know that. But I was just having fun with this. 
Um, I think for me um, is that I can easily chart, and maybe other people have this, the emotional feelings or how emotions would change in a song. So, and I think this is by watching a lot of people maybe being a little introspective, but if you're going, you know, just, just almost have a graph of whether you're a little bit concerned about something and get you anxious and all of a sudden terrified or, or whatever, or even a, a love or hate or kind of other things, I can make an emotional graph. And then I use my ears. I use the piano keys. I do compose from the piano and say, what would that sound sound like? You know, and, and, you know, it, it first, you know, I started with the songs that were just with one singer and then eventually I expanded it to having a six part um, harmonies. I have that in a couple pieces and the trios, but um, I think the strength of me is like, finding the sounds that would express that emotion. And, um, you know, Ron was able to also work on that, on what um, instruments and in his orchestration on that. So I'm very happy when I have something on paper and that I know it's only 30% there, but it's there on the paper. And then I like to do that. But uh, I started, emotionally with some of the more easier pieces and then um one of the early pieces is it's called uh what ifs and it's a really um song that we have continually talked about is we have a character named Merritt who has mental health issues and he has voices in his head that tells him to do experiments with um mechanical things and of course these experiments lead to some dangerous situation and in our life we have to deal about having forgiveness and empathy for somebody who has mental health and somebody who has accountability for their actions that they've done and we've had this pendulum going back and forth and we've come here and then we've switched it back and forth. And it's been a lot of discussions about this. And I think this doesn't answer your questions, but it's one of my funniest stories is um, I was bringing this song um, to Ron and I had, I only had it from the male's perspective, Merritt. And he said, you know, um, what does Danny, our heroine, think of this as this guy is, um, confessing all his deeds that he's done. And I said, I hadn't thought of that angle. So the next time I came back and I did it with Danny's voice. Oh, he said, oh, well, well, put yourself in her position and um, do it that way, that'll help. So I come back the next week or lesson and I had something and then I play it. I said, what are you thinking? And he went, God, she's a bitch. And I laugh, I said, well, you said to put me into it. So obviously we're going back before, back and forth at accountability and the empathy and understanding this. And you know, also understanding we have an audience, we want them to also have that, you know, challenge them to say, where are we on this issue? Um, but compositionally, it has a descending stepwise line and I was thinking of Dido Aeneas. 
Um, and, you know, going back, and that was one of the earlier pieces I wrote as a compositional style. Um, but I also have some creative things. Um, I live by the Essex steam train. Um, that is a historical train that goes up and down and does nice tourist trips. But I hear the steam train frequently. And one of my songs, um, Train Ramblings, um, expresses the train ride from Washington DC to New Orleans at the time on a steam train where all the characters are there. And the chorus makes the sounds of a steam train. Meanwhile, you have six different voices uh, expressing their daydreams. You know, and you, you can think of, you know, people, whether they were knitting or news, reading, right, reading a newspaper, but it would have been, hey, you know, you go on a train all the time, you like, everyone's there, you know, they're thinking about things. And this is a song that brings that together. And that's one of the more creative songs. Um, but I go from that, uh, one of the later songs I wrote was, is an American spiritual. And it really, so there's a different whole thing. And, and again, think of the politics that we are in. I'm thinking good Yankee Caucasian woman trying to write American spiritual. And it was a really great challenge for me. And I, I think we did a really great job, but the message that that song has, it's its very strong. Um, and River's Journey, it, it's uh, the story of the grandmother who in a letter, she's a spirit, she's passed away, um, tells a granddaughter to, uh, to chart your own path. And she had come from being beaten, literally in the Civil War for her um, ties and her friendship to her slaves at the time and for what that she had done. And it, you know, this song talks about, I'm hoping that the, the waters that I had had that were bloody are no longer bloodied now. And we know that we still have these issues. Um, so it's a, there's a wonderful analogy, you know, from the, you know, first drops of water from the mountaintops of the blending of the sea and the salt, you know, when we, they get to the ocean, um, but that you have to chart your own path and maybe it's a smooth one, but maybe you were going over a waterfall over jagged edges and, and, and that's going to change your course and you have to make that decision on it, so. Well, Hillary, congratulations on the show, getting it on its feet, getting a production and wherever it goes to in the future. Uh, how can people find out more about uh, you or the show? And do you have websites, social media, things like that? Um, I have a website. It's just HillaryClarkMoore.com. Hillary spelled H-I-L-A-R-I-E. Not many people are like that. Um, I do have Instagram. I'm not great on the social media, um, but certainly I have an uh, email address, which is hillary.clark.more at gmail.com. I have the recordings. I have reached out to you know some production companies, but I, I'd love to just talk to anybody about it. Um, it's really good. And um, I think you have a lot of the materials and as well as the uh, recordings. So I'm hoping that you had a chance to listen to them as well. I did. I, I listened to some of it. So uh, again, thank you for coming on. Uh, congratulations. Um, it was great to discover you and the show and the best of luck with everything. And I look forward to seeing it on stage in the future. Thank sometime. you very much.
You're welcome. So we were just speaking with um, Hillary Clark Moore about her show, The Fisher Girl. Tune in next week as we'll be speaking with another guest or guests about their life, love, and passion. That is musical theater. I'm your host, Jean-Paul Yovanov. And until next time, I'll see you when I see you.